Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds Podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. Hey, do you need a financial coach? If so, let's work together. As a coach, I help you get structure around your finances, visualize your ideal life, whatever that looks like for you, and more importantly, put together a strategy to help you get there. A lot of people hire me because they want to pay off debt faster and more efficiently and boost up their savings or increase their credit score, and those are all awesome goals. Financial coaching just helps you because I hold you accountable the entire way. Yeah, for better or worse, we're kind of like we're married. So if you want to take the podcast concepts that you're learning here and apply those to your life with my help, then you need to apply for coaching at WhitneyHanson.com slash customized dash coaching. Once again, that's WhitneyHanson.com slash customized dash coaching. I am so stoked to work with you and help you reach your financial goals. What's up, money nerds? In the last episode, we talked about how to do a financial assessment to see how you're doing in different financial categories. In episode one, we covered all things life audits, the rule of 100, and improving just one category at a time. Now, let's start to build on this framework that we have been talking about And let's start to improve our lives with our daily habits. Our habits are so critical because I really do believe that every single day, those little tiny steps that we take that we think are irrelevant make such a big difference. Maybe that's an extra hour of scrolling on social media and then you look up and you're like, holy crap, I didn't, I could have been reading a book that during that time, but I didn't, or I could have went for a walk and listened to a podcast and I didn't. Or maybe it's even just like the small daily habits of eating foods that we know we shouldn't be eating. And so therefore, it's like it starts to pack on a little bit of pounds over the years. There's so many different things that our little tiny habits compound over. And I think that's the important piece is every single habit compounds over time, the good and the bad. And so that's why it's so important to really focus on our habits. And that's why I'm spending an entire episode talking about habits. Even though I feel like I talk about this all the time, it really is that important. And I know we all need a bit of a refresher every now and then. So I use a lot of different variations of understanding habits and thinking through habits. But the framework that I find I lean on most heavily is from Charles Duhigg. Now, this comes directly from the book, The Power of Habit, which I always tell people this should be required reading. This one, and Atomic Habits by James Clear, I think are the best books on understanding your habits and starting to improve your your normal life. So those are the two books that I most often recommend. So let's talk a little bit about this work from Charles Duhigg, which is The Habit Loop. To understand The Habit Loop best, it's important to understand that there's three different loops or three different factors or events, if you will, that are in this loop. There's a cue, there's a routine, and there's a reward. Now, each of these are a little bit different. I tend to focus mostly on cues because I find that that tends to be the most 
easy to adjust or easy to understand. Sometimes when you're trying to like change a habit loop and you're focusing on the routine, which is normal, right? Like maybe you want to run more. This is always such a common example, but you want to run more. That's a routine. How do you encourage a reward after that? Like you feel like crap when you first start running, nobody feels good. Like you're sore, you're exhausted. Yeah. You might feel a little bit accomplished, but generally speaking, like how do you tie a reward to that? It's really kind of hard, but how do you change the cue that encourages you to run the routine, that's a little bit easier to understand. So that's why we're going to be spending a lot of our time today talking about cues. Now let's back up a little bit. How I came across this book and how I started to apply this information from the book to my own life was when I was working my full-time job. So I was working a full-time job. I was in school for my MBA and I started to really build up my coaching business at that time. So I was just doing little bits here and there, nothing too crazy. But when I came across this book, I was really looking for advice and tidbits to help me with my business and decided, shoot, maybe I can apply this to my personal life too. And it actually was really helpful because it helped me understand some of my financial habits. So here's what I did. I started by just observing a normal habit loop that was taking place in my own life. And here's how it went. So I was working at Boise State at the time, and I was noticing every time I got into the office, I would open up my computer. I would immediately sit there. I'd open up my email and I'd go, I got to go get coffee. And so then I would walk over to the campus Starbucks, buy some coffee, walk back and then feel like, all right, now I can start my day. And when I started to look at this habit loop, I thought that maybe what I was really trying to do was the reward was coffee, but that was like the furthest thing from the truth. So the cue was interesting because the cue was I got to work. So it was a a location, right? I was in my office. It was also a time of day. It was first thing in the morning. It was proceeding when I opened up my email and then I decided, oh shoot, I need to go walk. Walk to go get coffee was my routine. The reward was I got coffee and I thought that was my normal loop. It was actually a lie. If you really think about it, and I was being honest with myself, more of that reward was procrastination. I didn't want to start checking my email. I didn't want to start my workday quite yet. I wanted to have a little bit of an escape and therefore I said I would go get coffee. But here's the deal. I could still have the reward of procrastination without spending the money, which was sabotaging financial goals at that time too. So I could have just went for a walk instead. I could have just paused, maybe did like a five minute meditation and then check my email. I could have did so many things differently, but instead I was not really aware of it. And I was just going through this habit loop subconsciously. It was just such a normal ingrained part of my life that I didn't even realize it was happening. So that's where I came across this. And that's where I have applied this exact habit loop to so many of my habits and my routines and my normal life that I don't even pay attention to. I find it very interesting to see how it all kind of comes together. And so the reason I say we focus on cues most is because again, that is one of the things that is the easiest to identify. It's one of the easiest things to understand and to start to change. So in my little coffee example, I kind of mentioned some of the cues, but let's talk about what these are specifically. Cues are things like a person or people, a location, an emotional state, time of day, and preceding event. 
And so let's think about it this way. So person or people, this could be, you know, the friend that every time you hang out with this person, you are always finding yourself ordering a drink and you don't really drink that often. But when you're with this person, you tend to order some type of alcoholic beverage. That is the perfect example of a cue. So that cue is you go out to a happy hour with your friend, the person, it triggers the routine, you guys grab drinks. And then the reward is you get some quality time with your friend and Maybe you get a little bit intoxicated from the alcoholic beverage. I don't know, man. I don't know what the reward is for that. I'm not really a drinker personally, but in general, that is an example of that. So let's talk through location. Location can be lots of different things. Like here's an ex- a normal example. Maybe you drive by Chick-fil-A and every time you drive by Chick-fil-A, you better believe your car is somehow turning into the drive through and you find yourself walking away with some waffle fries and a chicken sandwich. Like, come on. This is a normal thing. This could be a location. Location could also be something a little bit different. Maybe it's when you walk into your home office. When you walk into your home office and you sit down at your desk, there's probably lots of things around you that trigger different routines and then you get some type of reward. Another location-based cue would be your office that you go into work could be your kitchen, maybe it's specifically your fridge, it could be your car, like there's so many different location based cues. But just know that that is a very common cue. One quick note on the location based cue is I think a lot of times we associate our routines directly with the place. So wherever the place is, we kind of associate our routines with that as well. And I think that's why sometimes when we switch up our environment, so maybe you're not feeling as productive working from home, so you go to a coffee shop and all of a sudden you're getting like more stuff done, or you join a co-working space and you're starting to get more stuff done. Or maybe it's even like you switch your office location. Maybe you normally sit in this one little section of the office and now you moved to the cafeteria to get some email time in, like whatever the heck it might be, right? Sometimes when we switch our location, it's easier to form a new routine because it's a new environment. It's basically a blank slate. We don't have any preconceived bad habits there. Everything's a blank slate. So it's sometimes it's easier to form new habits based off of just changing the location. That's why that stuff is so common and so important. Um, I will say sometimes we use that too much as a detriment. We use it as a crutch and we give ourselves this excuse that we have to switch up our location all the time in order to get things done, which therefore could be just another version of procrastination. But I do find that sometimes switching up that location can be really helpful is emotional state. Now, emotional state is basically any of the emotions. Sometimes we think emotions are only the bad things. No, this can be your happy emotions too, your celebratory emotions. It can be boredom. It can be sad, tired, mad, happy, all of those things, right? Those are all emotional states. Now, the reason why this is so important to understand is because I find that out of all of the different cues, emotional state tends to be one of those cues that affects our finances most. And what I see most often is things like online shopping when you're bored, or maybe you're finding yourself having a really crap day at work, so you want to go shopping and spend money on new clothes. Or I use this one as an example all the time too. When I used to feel slightly insecure about myself, I noticed that's when I was spending a lot more money on things like clothes or makeup or, you know, just stuff that I didn't really need. It was like some form of trying to have a little bit of control over my life. And look, I know it wasn't the healthiest thing, but I'm human and I know we all go through that stuff as well. 
emotional state is such an important one. This is also the reason why we often are finding ourselves scrolling through social media very mindlessly when we are bored. You notice that you get into an elevator, the first thing you do is like, God forbid, we like talk to somebody, we immediately start scrolling. We have a spare second at the stoplight, we grab our phones, like it is insane how often we are glued to our phones and just that mindless scrolling action. And I think a lot of that is just because of boredom. That's the emotional state. And then, of course, maybe that's what starts it. And then, of course, there's other cues that will build on that. But as a whole, emotional state definitely impacts our finances most heavily. And that's the one I I tend to focus on often. The other cue would be time of day. So this is like first thing in the morning or during lunchtime or after work, or maybe you notice around 8.30 p.m. you are starting to grab the remote, turn on the TV, and you're starting to watch some Netflix mindlessly. This cue again is all time of day related. So there are lots of different things. If you think about another one, this is a very common one that is neither, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a bad habit. I was gonna say it's neither good nor bad, but I guess it is more on the good side. You wake up, you brush your teeth, you maybe shower, you get ready for the day, you make your coffee, hopefully you eat breakfast, you get out the door by a certain time. That is all a time of day related cue that triggers a whole set of routine and then rewards. I don't really know what the reward is there. You get to keep your job one more day, I guess. Like maybe that's it. But that is another cue. The other cue that we often see is the preceding events. This is something that will build on that morning routine as well. You hear your alarm, you immediately either hit snooze. That is a routine. The reward is you get a little extra sleep, or maybe you immediately get up and you go brush your teeth. So there's different ways to view cues as well. That preceding event is an interesting one to kind of play with and just be aware of. Okay, so let's recap on the habit loop really quickly. We have a cue, which triggers a routine, which triggers a reward, and we repeat this cycle all day long unconsciously without even thinking about it in some cases. Until we become aware of this habit loop, we don't necessarily even think twice about it because it's so ingrained in our normal like day-to-day system that we just don't even think about it. So that's why it's so important to become aware of it. Choose one habit that you would like to just observe, go through this habit loop cycle and see what it is that you're actually getting What's that reward that you're getting from this routine? And what are the cues that trigger that entire routine? So that's where we're going to begin. Now, once you have that identified, now we're going to start to change habits. I believe that bad habits are not eliminated. We don't just get rid of bad habits. We only replace them. And also just a quick language thing, there's no such thing as a bad habit. There's only a habit that's really not serving you. And so if it's not serving your life, then we deem it a bad habit and one that we should therefore be working on to fix. But when we think about our habits and motivation in general, there's really two ways that we motivate ourselves. There's the carrot or the stick. You've heard of this, right? And so the carrot would be good things like positive reinforcement. Some people are very motivated by that. There's also the stick. This is like punishment or negative reinforcement or, you know, like that kind of thing. And so there's different ways to motivate yourself. And you have to kind of understand which of those strategies works best for you. I got to be honest, as much as I wish that carrot motivation worked for me, it really doesn't. I don't get a lot of maybe it'll change. But at this stage of my life, and I think as far as I'm concerned, it always kind of has been this way for me the stick or the punishment, that tends to motivate me more. 
at least in the beginning. Now, here's an example of this. When I was paying off my debt, the initial motivator was more of a stick. It was that avoidance of debt. I didn't want to have the student loan around. It felt really heavy. It felt like it was taking all my money away. Like that was the the stick. Once I got started, it started to become more of the carrot was the motivator. It was more of seeing that debt number go down was so exciting. And seeing that little tiny micro wins were really what started to motivate me. So that is definitely more of a carrot. But I find for almost everybody I've came in contact with, it is almost always the stick that initially gets us going, that initially motivates us. It's that stuff where it's like, somebody makes a comment on our lifestyle and we're like, well, shoot, I'm going to show you, man. And then we go like total AWOL on something. That is usually what pushes us to get going. And then we start to find some of the motivation from the carrots. At least that's a very healthy way to approach it, I believe. But ultimately there's two ways that we are motivated. And the sooner you understand that, the sooner you can try to hack your own motivation. Now, how this all applies to habit changes, I actually find that there's a few different ways of trying to change your habits. And these are all strategies that you have to kind of try on and see if they work for you. The first one is is to choose a cue. Of course, we spent a lot of time talking about that. Choose a cue and stack a habit onto it. So this looks like this. After I blank, I will blank. So here's an example of that. After I brush my teeth, I will immediately floss after. Every day I take my lunch, I will look at my bank account while I'm walking to grab food. Do you see how this works? It's it's just stacking some type of habit that you would like to incorporate or adopt into a very, very normal thing that you already are doing. You're already going to go to lunch. You're already going to go buy lunch. Why not just look at your bank account while you're walking to grab your food? You see how that works? So it's a really important way to go. And that is a very effective strategy. So definitely think about how you can incorporate that specific strategy into your life. The next one is a very popular one as well. This is the don't break the chain and never miss a day twice. So how this works is you would print off a calendar for the, ideally the entire year. Maybe you just want to do it for 30 days and see how it goes, but you're going to print off a blank calendar for a set time period. And let's use the example of trying to floss more. So if you're trying to floss more every single day that you floss, you're just going to like either color in that square or make a big X. And every single day that you floss, you do that. And so what happens is you eventually look at your calendar and you see all of these like colored in boxes or all of these X's. It kind of gives you like a healthy dose of pressure, self pressure, peer pressure, whatever you want to call it, that will help you stay consistent with your habits because you see this and it becomes so exciting. Again, this kind of leads into that motivation. It becomes more about the carrot that you really, you want to keep that going. You don't want to break the chain. And so that is a really important strategy. Now let's break this down just a little bit more because nobody is perfect. So the likelihood that you're going to be perfectionist routine for an entire year beyond year, you know, like for the rest of your life is really, really slim. Like nobody's perfect stuff comes up. And that's where that never miss a day twice comes into play as well. So when you're having this on your calendar and you're seeing all of these colored in squares, if you accidentally mess up and you forget a day or something happens, the goal is to never miss a day twice. So you're going to get back onto it and you're going to just continue forward with your normal routine. So that is the strategy that works so, so well for so many people. Now let's talk about the next way. This is probably one of my favorite ways 
to adopt a new habit or to change a habit, and that is to make bad habits really hard. So let's break this down. Let's say you're trying to eat healthier. You really just want to focus on your health, your energy levels, your weight. You want to lose 10, 20 pounds, like whatever, right? One of the ways that you can make it harder for you to eat bad foods is to not buy crap food. Like, duh, right? Of course. But it all comes down to our environment. Remember, location is everything. It really has a huge impact on our habits and our routines. And so if you don't even have the food in your house, it's a lot harder to go out of your way to go get that food. Like you're going to become a lot less likely to eat bad foods. You're going to be more likely to accomplish your goal. It's just a really good, healthy thing to do if like maybe that's one of your focuses. Another financial one that I think is important is if you find yourself just spending money on crap you don't really need and you feel kind of bad, you're not really achieving your financial goals. One of the ways that you can make it harder to spend money is to truly just leave your money at home. Leave your debit cards at home, put them somewhere safe, but don't even have that money near you. Same thing, take Apple Pay off of your phone, make sure it's so much harder for you to spend money. And that is one way, if it's really hard for you to spend money, turns out you won't spend as much money, it's just the way it works. So that's a really important way to to go as well. I actually use that strategy quite a bit, I really do. Another habit I was noticing personally was that I was spending a lot more time than I'd like to admit on social media and just scrolling mindlessly on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and Lord have mercy, like TikTok will get you down a rabbit hole. Am I right? So what I was noticing is I was spending so much time there and like, listen, I enjoyed it. I like it. I felt like I was in the know. I was learning new things. I was connecting with my friends. It was fine. I enjoyed that time, but I know it wasn't the best use of my time. It wasn't a good habit, right? It was a, it was an okay habit, but it wasn't a habit that was serving me. So I deemed it as a bad habit. So what I did recently is I set limits on all of my social media. I said I get one hour per day for TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram all combined. When my time is out, my time is out. That's the end. And that has been really, really good. So you can actually set that on your phone if you're like, I want this. Go to my Instagram. I recently did a post showing you exactly how to do this. So if that's something that you feel like you might need to do, you can definitely do that too. You can also add limits to how much you browse on your inner, your browser on your phone. So maybe you're spending too much time Googling crap. You can limit that. You can limit how much time you get to text, to make phone calls, like almost anything that you want to do, you can limit. And I think it's a really important way to go. Do I wish I was more disciplined? Sure. But am I? No, that's why I had to use that limit on my social media scroll time. It makes a big difference. Or let's say you have another habit where you're noticing that you are staying up later and you're watching TV every single night in your bedroom. And that is just kicking your butt because you're tired. You can't connect with your partner as much. And you're just, you don't feel as good. Like your quality of sleep is just not great. One of the ways that you can make that habit of watching TV in your bedroom harder is move the TV, like take it out of your bedroom, right? I'm a big believer that bedrooms should not have TVs at all. This is just like my personal thing. I'm stepping on my soapbox for a sec. But it really does make a big difference on the quality of your sleep. And so I don't know. I don't have a TV in my bedroom. 
I do still watch Netflix in my bedroom on my iPad, but hey, <laughs> I guess it's kind of the same. Maybe I should remove that too. But that's another way of making that habit even harder for you to do is to just remove the temptation altogether. I would not recommend relying on willpower when it comes to habits and goals. I just think it's it's just too much. It's exhausting. It's something that nobody has time for. So just remove the temptations completely altogether and that will serve you well. Okay, let's talk about the next way to change a habit and that is to pay for accountability. Let's be honest. A lot of a lot of people, myself included, will sometimes say, "Hey, I'm going to buddy up with a friend and we're going to go to the gym together and we're going to be accountability buddies." And this is so good, right? For like a couple weeks. And then all of a sudden you're like, "Hey, are you on your way?" and they're like, "Oh, man, I slept in again. Sorry." Or, oh, I can't go tomorrow. You're on your own. So pretty soon what you find is that the people that are supposed to hold you accountable don't. They bail out on you. This is normal. This is so, so normal. If I had a nickel for every time somebody bailed out on the gym, I think I'd be, I don't know, maybe I'd have a buck. But regardless, I would have a lot more money, right? Because people bail out. People will not hold you accountable as much as you do. And so I find, especially with our finances, even when people are like, hey, I just need a financial accountability buddy. And my friend is just going to call me out when I'm spending money on crap I don't need. Your friend will not do that. Your friend will usually be with you spending the money on crap you don't need. And both of you are like misery loves company. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter if people are going to hold you accountable. If you're not paying this person, they will not hold you accountable, at least not in the long term. And I find that when you pay, you will absolutely be held to a higher standard. And that's why we hire people. That's why there's some people that hire personal trainers, because we know if I have to show up, I can't let this person down. And sometimes in the beginning, it's unfortunate, but it's true. We're more concerned about letting somebody else down than ourselves. Sometimes we're so used to letting ourselves down that we don't realize that it's such an ingrained part of who we are that when we have somebody else to answer to, we immediately are like, oh crap, I need to get my stuff together because I have my workout date with so-and-so and they're going to be pissed if they see that I've been eating crap all week. I got to get got to get it together. I have to show up at 7 a.m. for them. So anyway, that's just a little ranty thing there, but I do think it matters. If you're finding yourself not changing your habits, pay for accountability. You will get better results if you pay for it. The next way to change a habit is to adopt a new identity. So this is a good one because this like really keys into the language and the thoughts and stuff that we say to ourselves throughout the day. So one of the things I like to ask myself is let's say you're trying to be better with your finances. You can say, how would someone who is in control with their finances act? How would they act? So get get an idea, get a little profile here of how in your head, somebody that's good with money, how they behave, what their actions are, what their habits are, and then start to change your language from I am statements to I don't statements. So here's an example of this. I am bad with money. This is such a non-empowering thought. It kind of makes you feel like you have no control, right? Even when I say this, I'm, I'm just bad with money. It just immediately alleviates any form of accountability that you have to have for yourself and just takes away all of your power. It's not empowering. It's not going to serve you. So if you find yourself saying I am statements that aren't great, then start to change them. How do we change them? We can say instead, I'm not the type of person who blank. Or you can try, I don't spend money unintentionally. So instead of saying I'm bad with money, I spend money as fast as I get it. 
we can say, I don't spend money unintentionally. I'm not the type of person who just blows my money. Now, this is such a powerful strategy because so many times that when you are looking at the success rates of people that are, let's say, with weight loss, those that have lost weight and kept weight off over the long run, a lot of their success came down to this identity shift. It, it's so powerful. And so I think if you start to really identify those identity statements that you currently have and how they aren't helping you, and you can start to shift them, I think you're going to find a lot of success there. So give it a shot. Let me know what you think of that one. The next strategy that we have is to change your environment to support your new habit. So I mentioned this a few times, but we make decisions based on the environment that we are in. If we're surrounded by crap food, we're going to eat crappy. If we are just surrounded by clutter, we're going to feel like we can't really focus on anything. There's so many different little environmental cues that we have that we have to really pay close attention to. But the good news is if you understand this one, you can start to really hack your environment to support your new focus or the habit or goal that you're working towards. Let's use an example. Let's say that you would like to play guitar more. Okay, you're like this, I've had my guitar, it's sitting upstairs, I really wish I could play more frequently, it'd be really cool. So maybe you're going to use that rule of 100, remember from episode one, where you say just for 18 minutes, every single day, I'm going to play my guitar. But here's the kicker. If your guitar is upstairs in your closet, you're not going to see it. So you're probably not going to play it. But what if your guitar was very inconveniently placed in your living room where when you first walk in, that's what you see. You have no TV in your living room. You just have your guitar chilling on a stand. You are much more likely to start playing your guitar if it's already in your environment, but it's very intentionally in your line of sight. It's like a visual cue. It really makes a big difference. And so leaving your guitar in your living room could make you play your guitar more. Let's talk about meal prepping. So meal prepping is an easy way. This is why so many people focus on this so often is because it's an easy and fast way to follow your diet. Whatever diet you set for yourself, it's an easy way to do it. It also helps you save a ton of money because it's already ready to go. And so we're setting up our environment by saying, hey, I'm going to take a little bit of time out of my week to just batch meal prep and get all my stuff ready in the fridge. So it's just like set up and ready to go. It's easy. I don't have to make a decision. It's already there. When I open my fridge, like what should I eat? You already know. You just grab it and go. That's an easy way to change your environment to support that habit. Another one is keeping your phone downstairs instead of having it next to your bed. Maybe you find yourself constantly scrolling before bed and pretty soon it's 1230 or 1 a.m. and you're like, oh crap, I got to wake up at six. I'm going to be exhausted again and I should not have been scrolling on my phone. Well, great. Change your environment. Leave your phone downstairs. Buy an alarm clock. Put some extra spare batteries in there so if the power goes out, it still goes off. There's so many different ways to hack even that one. Another one too, this is one that I personally do that works pretty well. I have a really bad habit of just not drinking enough water. And so what I find that works well for me is just I carry a water bottle around with me all day. Like legitimately, even if I'm not drinking it, I'll carry it around with me because it's a visual cue and it's a reminder to, hey, do this. And so I I like that one. It works for me. It really does. But ultimately, you have to determine what's going to work for you and you have to figure out ways to change your environment to support your new habits that you would like to form. 
With that being said, we have officially covered all of our end of year wrap up episodes, our series. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, do me the biggest favor, take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram. Let me know that you're listening in. I'm at Whitney underscore Hanson underscore co or share this with somebody that you know, somebody that you think could get some value from this. This is one of the greatest things that you can do to support podcasters. And I know it definitely means a lot to me as well. I wish you the very, very best with your upcoming year. I hope that these episodes were helpful in prepping you for a really successful year. And I will see you next week for another episode of the Money Nerds Podcast. Bye. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.